Well, happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. It's been an incredible summer as it comes to a close this weekend, so hopefully you left every rock unturned. We had vacations and staycations. Some of us had time to rest. Many of us worked hard all through the summer. There have been many surprises this summer. There's also been sorrows this summer. During the summer, we had moments of remembering special friends and honoring their memories, Dwight Lewis and Dr. David Scholler. We began the summer in the month of June with a very unique outreach, our Joe Dinner Theater event. That was a lovely event attended by many people, and many of our church members were awesome servant leaders at that event. Uh, later on that summer, we had a potluck, a partnership with uh, Theater 360, and uh, they presented uh, some of their uh, productions that they've done over the years, over the months, uh, with music and dance. Uh, we also had another unique outreach, Soundscapes, that we had over here in our chapel. And then we closed off the summer with our summer arts camp and family barbecue last Sunday. It's been an incredible summer. And as Ted uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, our senior pastor returns next Sunday, and we look toward to the fall with our 40 Days of Community campaign, much like Faith in Action that we did way back in April, of reaching out to our community. So it has been an incredible summer, and God has been faithful throughout this summertime. And now as we close summertime, uh, many of you, maybe your batteries are spent like mine. And I pray today that this would be a day where God would just re-energize us and just continue to give us the strength and passion that we need to serve Him and enlarge His kingdom here in Pasadena as we begin this fall season. So this morning I'm going to be speaking to you about a subject that I'm very passionate about. And it's the subject of spiritual growth. If you look around at the church the Church of Jesus Christ with all the buildings and all the different roles, the ushering and the greeters and the pastors and the teachers. What's it all about? It's to produce disciples. It's to assist and equip people to become more like God, to become more like Christ. That's what our purpose is, to point people to Christ and to assist people to reach maturity. So spiritual growth and Spiritual formation and becoming more like Christ is really why we are here today. This is what it's all about. I know we're Baptists, but it's not really all about the potlucks. It's about becoming more like Christ. So as I said before, this is something that I'm passionate about. Uh, after 16 years of full-time ministry, it is still something that I struggle with and I wrestle with. Uh, not a night goes by that I don't lose sleep over how can the church be more effective? How can the church truly become better at discipling people and helping people to mature? So that is our desire this morning. That is our vision. That is our mission as a church to assist all of you and assist the seekers and explorers in our community to become more like Christ. So again, as I mentioned before, it's just been an incredible honor to serve you this summer. It's been an incredible honor to stand here and fill in for Pastor Steve as he's been away. And uh, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. So before we get into the scripture, which is in John 15, and you can look for it in your Bibles, and in just a couple of moments we're going to stand and we're going to read John 15 together. 
But before we read that Scripture, there's one thing I want to say about growth. There's one thing I want to say about spiritual growth. But growth or spiritual growth is something that is active. It's a partnership with God. We just can't sit around in our couch and watch TV and expect us to grow and to become more like Christ. It's a partnership with God. We need to take in nourishment. If we're not taking in spiritual nourishment, we're going to die spiritually. And in just a couple of moments, we're going to be talking about John 15. Jesus' famous words that I am the vine, you are the branches. And so many times in the Christian church across America, I find so many Christians, so many believers dying on the vine. There are so many grapes out there, so many fruitful grapes out there, but at the same time there are many Christians, many believers that are struggling. They're like grapes on the vine and they're just dying. And they're asking the question, I don't want to die, I want to grow. I want to feel that excitement again. I want to feel that passion again. I want to have that hunger for God again. So that's my prayer this morning, that you would rekindle and you would renew that passion to grow, to draw closer to God, to get more excited about the things of God, about prayer, about His Word, serving Him and serving other people, and also reaching the lost so that every pew in this building would be filled with new people coming to Christ. We want to rekindle that passion. We want to renew that passion. So growth or spiritual growth is something active. It's something that you do. So I want you to think about when you were a child. I want you to think about when you were an adolescent. Remember when you were a preteen and you really wanted to grow up fast so you can get your driver's license? Remember that feeling? Remember that feeling that you had as a young, young teenager that you wanted to grow up so you wouldn't have a curfew anymore? Remember you had that hunger, you had that desire that you would have freedom and liberty, that you would have more responsibility, that you wanted to work hard and make your own money and do your own thing and make your own decisions and go and travel places? Do we still remember those feelings of being a young person in life, remember those? Those are vivid feelings that we had. Vivid remembrances. That's active growth. And much in the same way today, my prayer, my hope is this morning that you still have that hunger and that thirst to grow in the things of God. That today is a day where we break out of our routine and our rut. We break out of that mentality, well, I'm a grown and mature Christian I know all there is to know. I'm done. I'm just going to sit back and wait until Jesus comes. And I don't believe that's the attitude that God wants us to have this morning. He wants us to be passionate and hungry and thirsty to grow in Him, to become more like Him, to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Active growth. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we read a portion of Scripture. And uh, I actually cut my sermon short this morning, so don't worry. We're not going to go too long. And we're going to have a special part uh, in just a couple of moments. There's going to be some folks coming up here uh, sharing how they've grown spiritually uh, by getting involved in a unique ministry. Uh, so we're going to read John 15, 
verses 1 and 2, and then verse 8. We have them on the slides for you. You have pew Bibles in front of you. And you can follow along. John 15, starting at verse 1. The words of Christ. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let us pray just for a couple of moments. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for all our dear friends and members of First Baptist Church of Pasadena. It's been an incredible summer of hard work. So many folks here have given so many hours serving their community, their families, and the local church. And I ask you, God, that you would bless them. And there are some of us this morning that may be somewhat tired or exhausted for the long summer, full of surprises and sorrows. And I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would recharge and rekindle that flame that we need to go on to serve you and to serve our world. Lord God, just give each person here today just a special blessing. Prosper them, Lord God, in their families, in their marriages, in their finances, in their relationships, in their work, and in their ministry, and in their bodies, in their souls, and in their spirits. I pray this blessing now over this entire congregation, all our friends and guests and members, Lord God. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today we just finished reading from the Gospel of John. The Apostle John. And there's something we need to know about the Apostle John in the context of his writing his Gospels and his three epistles. The Apostle John wrote his Gospels and his three incredible epistles literally 60 years after Jesus had been crucified, he had been buried, He had resurrected from the dead, and he had ascended into heaven. The Apostle John is writing to a mature Christian world. He is writing literally to second and third generation Christians. He was the last apostle. All the other apostles were already dead. All the eyewitnesses of Christ those 200, those 500 people that walked with Christ, that saw Christ, He was literally the last one remaining. And there was something going on in the church. That's why John wrote his Gospel. That's why he wrote his three epistles. And in this second, third generation of Christianity, in that first century, Bible scholars tell us that there was a great apostasy in the church. There was a great falling away in the church. People began to drift from the gospel of Christ. They began to go back into legalism. They began to go back to circumcision. People were introducing different types of myths and stories that they heard from angels and false prophets. John in the book of Revelation addressed this issue talking about the Christian world dealing with the issue of lukewarmness are losing their first love. 
You see, the fact of the matter is that the Apostle John was writing to a Christian world that more or less had lost their passion, their hunger for Christ, their dedication, their consecration, their theology, right doctrine. So when he wrote the Gospel of John and those three epistles, it was to call back the remnant. It was to call back the church to righteous living, to right doctrine, to right theology, back to the truth of Jesus Christ. So when I think of John, the Apostle John, like a prophet, calling back the early church to Christ, to becoming more Christ-centered than they were, there is a direct application to today in America. Would you agree this morning? This is what God is calling us to do as a church. This is what God is calling every local church in the world to call the people back to the right gospel, to the true gospel, to being Christ-centered in our lives. So this is why John wrote John. This is why John wrote John 15. And in John 15, verses 1 and 2, John says very clearly, if you are not in Christ, you cannot grow spiritually. If you are not in Christ, you will not grow spiritually. We have so many people today that go into the bookstores and they go down that aisle that says self-help. And they say, maybe today I will find the right recovery book. Maybe today I will find the right 12-step program and my life will change. We have so many believers, Christian seekers, saying maybe when I find the right medication, maybe when I find the right therapist, Maybe when I find the right job. Maybe when I find the right house, the right neighborhood, the right relationship. Maybe I'll find the silver bullet, the magic pill. And I'll find the answer to my life. I'll find the answer to my problems. But the fact of the matter is that John is saying, we cannot grow apart from Jesus Christ. We can only grow if we are in Jesus Christ and under His Lordship. This morning, do I hear an amen or an hallelujah? If you want to grow spiritually, the secret is very simple. Submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Be in Jesus Christ every single day, every thought, every action, every word. Be subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and He will grow you and He will prosper you. In John 15, John writes, Jesus Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever doesn't bear fruit, God is going to cut that branch off. We're not going to talk about that part this morning. We're going to move on to the next one. But the next very important point is this. John quotes Jesus. And Jesus said that God wants us to bear more fruit. Okay? There's many people in life that I've met that have said, you know, God doesn't care about numbers, right? It's about quality, not quantity. I've heard that argument a lot. But here the Bible tells me that God wants us to produce fruit. In other words, God has designed us to grow. We are designed to grow. We are designed to mature. We are designed to be healthy people. It's in our wiring. It's in our spiritual DNA. Not only did God design us to grow, but God wills it. 
God wants you to grow. Not only does He want us to grow, what does the Bible say in John 15, 1 and 2? The Bible actually says that God actually prunes us so we'll grow even more. So I want to park it there just a little bit. You know, I was going along, minding my own business, living my Christian life as it was, and I was so proud of myself and patting myself on the back, saying to myself, man, I'm bearing fruit, God is blessing me, God is using me, this is great, this is awesome, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here on the vine and soak in the rays. And then all of a sudden, God comes to my life and starts pruning me. Hey, why are you doing that? I'm doing good. I'm producing fruit. Why are you bothering me, God? Go bother the other guy. And how does God prune us? He humbles us. Man, I have seen so many Christians go through humbling, including myself, right? God puts us in challenging situations. That's how God prunes us. It's kind of like a promotion. God will literally put you in a situation where you don't feel you have the wherewithal to do well in that situation because it's beyond your ability. So God literally is stretching you. It's like a promotion. Right? So God prunes us by putting difficult people in our lives. Right? Haven't you ever wondered that, you know, life is just going so great and all of a sudden there's a difficult person in your life and you say to yourself, man, God, if this one difficult person wasn't in my life, my life would be great. It would be fantastic. Right? So God is constantly pruning us. He's humbling us. He puts difficult situations, difficult people in our lives. He gives us opportunities to serve and step it up beyond our ability because He's stretching us. And my initial reaction to when God started to do this spiritual formation on me was to resist it. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? Is there sin in my life? Am I backsliding? Am I doing something wrong? Did I take the wrong turn? And then I read this scripture, and it all made sense to me. Where God actually said to me, Eddie, the reason I'm pruning you is, no, you're good, man. You're producing fruit. You're good. But I'm pruning you more, so you'll produce more fruit. And I said, what? More fruit? You actually want more? So this is a challenge this morning. God wants us to bear more fruit. And when you talk about fruit, what is fruit? You can look at fruit in two different areas. One area is character. The nine fruits of the Spirit. This is fruit for the Lord. This is fruit that you produce. It's your character. It's your personality. Gentleness. Kindness. Right? Faithfulness. Patience. That's fruit. Character. But then there's also another aspect to fruit, and that's ministry. How are you using your gifts? How are you serving the Lord? How are you using your talents? Leading people to Christ. Leading Bible study. Getting involved. Doing something to make a difference in this world. And then in verse 8, it gives us the actual motivation. Why we want to grow spiritually. Why we want to produce more fruit. Here is the motivation. And we talked about that motivation in adolescence. Uh, because we want a driver's license or we want more freedom or no more curfew. And here it is in verse 8. It's a wonderful verse. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So basically, bearing fruit is really about worship. The more we grow, the more we produce in our ministry, in our personality, in our character, the more glory it brings to God. 
And the more we show the world that we are His disciples. Mm. Uh, What I want to do now is I want to show you um, two different models of spiritual growth. This first one gave it some thought and I put this together for you all. How we grow. And the first stage is the infancy stage. And then the second stage of how we mature and develop in life is the childhood stage. So let's put up the childhood stage also. And then I'll explain what's on the right. The third one is the adolescent stage. And then the fourth and final one is the maturity stage or the adult stage, the productive stage. Okay, so let's go through this in biological, physiological, earthly terms. Infancy stage. The infancy stage, when you think of a newborn infant, that newborn infant is totally dependent on its parents. The newborn infant can't do anything for themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't bathe themselves. They are totally 100% dependent on their parents. So there's a spiritual application there. And you're already putting two and two together. The next one is the childhood stage. I have two children right now that are in the childhood stage. And this childhood stage is called the growth stage. See, the childhood stage in life is when you're just growing by leaps and bounds. You are just like a sponge taking it all in. All the ABCs. I mean, I have two children right now. I take them to see Grandma. A week later, Grandma says, Oh my gosh, they've grown six inches. They're totally different. Right? You put your kids to sleep at night. When they wake up in the morning, you don't even recognize them. Right? Right? One day they're saying, Mama, Dada. The next day they're saying, Encyclopedia Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Rapid growth. Rapid growth. That's the childhood stage. Okay? The next one is the adolescent stage. And the adolescent stage, I call it kind of the challenge stage. You know, those pre-teens or the teenagers, what do they mostly do during that time period in their life? They start challenging everything. They start questioning what? Your parents' authority, your teacher's authority, impulsive, emotional, hot and cold. One day they're very happy, very loving, very excited. Yay! Hallelujah! The next day, very sad, very depressed, very isolated. The adolescent stage. And then they get to the mature stage, to the adult stage where they take personal responsibility for their lives. This is the productive stage. When they go to work, they earn a living. They contribute to society. They serve their country in the military. They serve their community. This is the the mature stage. And the spiritual application for all this, as as we go through it again with the spiritual lenses, uh, infancy, total dependence on God. How many of us remember those days? For those of us that have been in the Christian walk for a while. Right? 100% dependence on God. I don't know how I made it to church. I don't know how I made it through those first years. I had so many issues, so many struggles, so much sin, so many obstacles. I don't know how I made it. It was God literally holding my hand through the whole thing. How many of you can relate to that this morning? And then how many of you remember when you were in that childhood stage? Maybe you're in that stage right now of rapid growth. You're just growing leaps and bounds. Man, I am so impressed. I've been a Christian for years. And I get kind of convicted when I get around these people because they're telling me, man, I was reading God's Word all night. 
Man, I was just eating it up. I just can't stop. Have you talked to some of those people? Do you know some of those people? Man, I get convicted. I say, man, I wish I had that kind of passion and zeal for God's Word. But what do we often do as Christians? We romanticize that time period. How many times have you, just like me, said, oh, if I could just go back to that stage when growing in the Lord was just so easy? How many of you ever said that? Man, I remember those days when I was just so on fire and I was just so excited and every word and every Bible study and every Sunday school lesson. Oh man, I wish I can go back to that. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I've been there. But guess what? I realize that that's really trying to go backwards. And that's not what God wants us to do. We can't over-romanticize that stage. It's time to move on to maturity. Like it says in Hebrews, you got to put away the childish things. In 1 Corinthians 13, put away the childish things. Move on to maturity. we got to move on. Sometimes we don't want to grow up. And then the spiritual application for adolescence, many Christians find themselves in this challenge stage. They start questioning their faith. Does this Christian faith really work? Does the church really work? Is God truly good? Does God truly listen, hear prayers? Is God really ever going to use me? How many, how many have you been there? How many of you are there right now? Right? You're in that adolescence challenge stage. And there are some people that have said, well, God, you're backslidden. No, you're not. Well, there's sin in your life. No, there isn't. You're going through a growth process. And that's just the way it is. And don't let anyone point the finger at you and don't let anyone condemn you because you are feeling that way and you are asking these kind of questions because you're a spiritual teenager and you're kind of a rebel without a cause. So embrace it. It's part of the process. But remember, you want to head to maturity and adulthood. And what is spiritual maturity? What is spiritual adulthood? Oh man, this is where all the good stuff happens. Forget romanticizing about being a child again. Adulthood is where it's at. You know why? Because that's where you find loving relationships and courage and integrity. That's where you find service. Right? Most of the people in church that are serving and committed and leading a ministry or teaching are highly involved and sacrificing and giving countless hours those are our mature Christians that know it's all about serving the Lord and serving other people. So great stuff happens. So somebody was asking me, you know, Eddie, um, if I'm already in the mature stage, you know, what can I do to get growing again? You know, somebody asked me that. I, I, I'm, I'm just an, an adult Christian, you know, and I've been through infancy, I've been through childhood, I've been through adolescence. I'm serving, but, but I still need another spark. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're still looking for that extra spark. So here's just a couple of ideas. Some of the extra sparks, maybe, for a mature adult Christian that's growing. One word, and that one word is replication. Maybe that's why you're stagnant, because you're not replicating yourself. That's what Jesus did with himself. Jesus replicated himself in how many people? Twelve people, right? And those twelve disciples, those twelve apostles, they replicated themselves in how many people? 
3,000 people. So all we are are replicants, right? We are descendants of the original replicator who was Jesus Christ. Somebody had to replicate themselves in us. Who was it? Your pastor? Your Sunday school teacher? Your grandma? Your mom? Your aunt? Somebody replicated themselves in you. And if you are that mature adult Christian and you find this, this morning yourself in kind of a rut and you want to, you want to rekindle that spark and start growing again, I'll tell you what it is. It's service and it's replicating. Teaching other people. Equipping other people. I'll throw in another freebie. If you're an adult or a mature Christian and you're looking for a spark to start growing your, growing again, find a mentor. Go to someone that you look up to. Go to someone older than you. Go to someone that has been married or has a bunch of kids or they hit their 50th wedding anniversary. Go to someone older and more experienced than you and open up yourself so someone can begin mentoring you. Are you with me this morning? Amen? So at this moment, we're going to do something special and unique. We're just going to take a couple of moments to share uh, about the Parent Project Ministry. And, you know, um, one of the Parent Project um, evenings, uh, you know, Ilse is one of our um, servant leaders in the Parent Project Ministry, and she came up to me uh, one Thursday night in the hallway. And, you know, all the kids were running around, and all the parents were in there. And she says, you know, Eddie, I've been kind of just stagnant in my spiritual growth, like not really growing. And because I got involved, and I started serving and giving out to people, she said... I'm excited again, right? I got that passion. I got that fire back, right? So if you're not leading a Bible study, if you're not participating and serving and getting involved in a ministry, you're really missing out. So we're going to ask those folks that have been helping with Parent Project to come up real quick. They're going to share a little bit. We're going to pray. And then we're going to bring the sermon time uh, basically to a close. So this is not going to take too much time. We're going to ask all the other servant leaders that are involved uh, Matthew Borba's been helping us with Parent Project on Thursday night. Come up here. Kate Stram, Nettie Chang, Deborah. we got a great group of people helping us on Thursday nights. Just come on up. If you're helping with the kids, I know there's some people that are out for Labor Day weekend. Richard Salazar, Kate Strem, uh, Magdalena helps us with the nursery. I don't know if Artemisa and Patricia are here, but we got a great group of people that help us on Thursday nights. Thanks, everybody, for coming up. Um, hi, my name is Jill Shook, and um, I've, I've really had a, a huge opportunity to really worship God by using the gifts that God's given me, by uh, working not only with this church, but throughout the community to bring the Parent Project. Um, the, um, the verse I want to begin with is Matthew 18, um, and it says this, that anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So as we, the way that we treat children is the way that we treat Jesus himself. Um, by welcoming children, we are welcoming Jesus. Um, in response to the 10 gang-related murders in our city last year, um, our church is welcoming some of the most vulnerable children in our community. And we're through the participation in the Parent Project um, wherever this course has gone throughout um, almost every state now and even internationally, the crime rate has dropped and even the drop rate, dropout rate in schools has plummeted. 
Um, one year ago, standing right here in this place where I am, um, in our church, uh, uh, we, we were focusing on what it means to be a bridge of love. And so Pastor Steve called me and he said, um, Jill, I want you to see if, if you can talk about ways we've been a bridge to love to Artemisa Carrillo and her son, um, David. And so she came and stood right on this, this pulpit and she said, in, in this platform, and she said, um, I want to thank you for your prayers and for the way that you've reached out to my family. Um, since then, Artemisa has been trained to teach the Parent Project. She's taught it twice in our church. Um, and there's now 12 other people throughout the city of Pasadena, praise God, who are trained to teach this course. Um, today, the juvenile court judge, district attorneys, the parks and recreation, the police, probation department, and the Pasadena Unified School and the Pasadena City College are all on board, totally excited about this course and how it is, transforms lives. Um, so they'll be involved in filling these classes throughout our city. But the first in our city to offer it is First Baptist. And so we're really setting the pace and we're setting the standard very high in, uh, in our, for how to do this in our community. Um, in verse 18, or chapter 18, verse um, 6, it says, If anyone causes one of these little ones to trust, who trusts in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around the neck. Wow. That's, that's really scary <laughs> because we have such a huge responsibility, those of us who work with children or have children raising children. And so what I see that the Parent Project is doing is giving, empowering parents, giving them the skills so that they will, will not lose, cause their children not to lose faith and that they can begin to restore faith in their own skills as parents. Um, David, um, who is now out of the gang, back in school full-time, going to Bible studies, getting straight A's. So he's an amazing story. But um, one of the uh, families that went through the Parent Project in January have the same story. Their son is now no longer using drugs, back in school full-time, getting A's, and, and um, it's very exciting, and has left his gang. So we're being used. We're right on the cutting edge. We desperately need your prayers. Um, David had just finished the painful process of having his tattoo, his huge tattoo for gang-related, removed across the, his, his back. Um, so you'll be able to hear a few more stories like this next week during our Parent Project graduation. I just want to introduce first Elsie because um, both Elsie Dipsy and Katie Carlson are now trained to do the Parent Project. They'll be teaching the Christian version September 18th. So Elsie will be telling about the children's part of the program that we're doing and be inviting all of you um, that are parents of teenagers to participate in the class that she'll be, uh, she'll be facilitating. Thank you. God spoke to my heart about being involved in the Parent Project probably one year ago when Pastor Eddie made this sermon about being involved. And I didn't want to just be a... Regular Christian coming to church, praising God, I wanted to do something to serve him. And so he spoke to my heart, sitting at that pew over there, saying, you can do this, but it was available in Spanish. So my prayer was, if it's ever available in English, I want to be a great big part of it. So here we are today. Um, Currently, I'm helping with the kids. 
We have about 16 kids, youth, ranging from the ages of 3 to 16. That's a big one. And we have um, nine leaders. And if anybody wants to join us, please do so, because we do need mentors and just people to love on these children, because they're so hungry and they're so lovable and hungry for love. Um, working with this, these kids is such a blessing because teaching them about the fruits of the Spirit, they're learning Bible verses and having fun learning about Jesus and God's love. And they also went to the arts camp, which the parents were so amazed that it was free and they got to learn how to play the violin and ballet and all these great things that they don't usually have access to. So they were really thankful that the church had offered this to, to them. Um, the parents told us that the kids are the ones dragging them Thursday night. Don't be late. I don't want to be late for my class. And during the week, they're telling their parents, don't forget, we have Thursday class. I don't want to be late. I don't want to miss out on our parent project class. So we're really making a difference as the parents are going to their parent project classes, learning how to be a parent and from ground one, how to love their children and how to step boundaries and be consistent um, the, the little kids, or even the teenagers, are learning the basics of fruits of the Spirit, who God is, and how he works in our lives. So with, with the parents learning how to love and the kids open to be loved, it's just a win-win situation. And thank you for this church for making this available to all of these parents and their children. So I have an announcement, and it's an exciting one. Finally, Parent Project is available in English. So we're really excited. Katie Carlson and I will be facilitating, and it's going to be the first class is September 18 on Thursday. So every Thursday, there's a Parent Project. It starts from 6 to 9. It's a long one, but it's amazing. For 10 weeks, there's child care provided. Um, toddlers to teens, and yes, there's food available because we're Baptist. Um, if the Lord is speaking to you about becoming part of the Parent Project or even just volunteering because we need extra hands, there's going to be three of the leaders that two of us will be teaching and another one won't be available. So we do need extra hands. And um, if you have any neighbors or friends, relatives, or even yourselves, or God is speaking to you about this, this is the time to, um, to listen, because this is, this is amazing that we have this available to us. So thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray. So we're going to pray now. The team has been asking me, you know, Pastor Ed, we really want to get in front of the congregation and just share our testimony, and we really need prayer. That's what the team here has been sharing with me. And there's more folks to this team. They're just not here this morning, Labor Day weekend. But let's have a word of prayer over this team as uh, they finish this uh, semester and begin a new one in September. Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that uh, we as a church family continue to take risks to reach out to our community. And sometimes we do look around and we see that there are some limited resources, but we look to you with our spiritual eyes. And Father God, I pray now your blessing on this Parent Project team, that you will continue to grow it and to grow the families that come, Lord God, that the children and the parents would become more Christ-like. So just bless each team member, those that are here and those that are not here, and that you would just bless and prosper this ministry. We pray now in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise man if they would come up, and I want to just close with one final point. I want to give one final point of encouragement. And um, like I said, I'm cutting this short. And I want to jump to uh, number two, point number two, the farmer's law of faith. So you guys can get up here. It's not a distraction to me at all. But I want to leave you with one word of encouragement regarding spiritual growth, about your spiritual growth. And throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, Jesus Christ used powerful metaphors about the vine and the vineyards, about the farmer and about the seed, and about the seed growing and the plant growing to a mighty tree. And that's what you want to become. You want to become a mighty spiritual tree for the Lord with strong roots that the winds and circumstances of life won't move you and shake you or destroy you. But in this powerful metaphor of spiritual growth, Jesus talks about a farmer. And right now, this second, I want you to identify with the farmer because a farmer lives his life based on faith. You and I, we live our life based on faith. See, the farmer begins the season by planting seed. doesn't have a lot of money. In fact, a lot of farmers have to go on credit. A lot of farmers have to borrow resources. They have to buy clothes for their children. They have to build barns and buy food for the animals, all on credit. And that farmer begins the season by planting the seed. And as the seed grows, there's rain, there's thunder, there's hot days, there's cold days. You know, and farmers don't let themselves get to that bad place of losing sleep and worrying. What's the point? See, farmers are consistent, they are strong, and they are faithful. And their attitude is, we'll see, God is faithful. So they step out in faith that entire season, waiting for the harvest. They could lose their farm if there's no harvest. They could lose everything if there is no harvest. But guess what? The harvest comes in. And that farmer is able to pay back everybody. And that farmer is actually able to invest and grow and have a bigger farm. And that's what your spiritual life is like. That's what my spiritual life is like. Sometimes we feel that we're living on credit, right? Sometimes we feel that, man, I'm running on limited resources. How can I grow? I'm giving it all I can. I'm tired and I'm burned out. So your spiritual growth, growing in the Lord, is an exercise in faith. That you're going to leave this place and you're going to say, I'm just going to do it. I may not feel it. I may not have all the gifts and talents that I believe that I need to have. I may not think I know enough about the Bible or I may not have a good attitude or there's still issues in my life and my personality and there's sin. You could just go on and on deconstructing and never do anything. Or you could leave this place and say, I'm going to live my Christian life by faith. I'm going to be a person of victory. I'm going to be a person of faithfulness. I'm going to be a person of integrity and honesty. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to get involved. And in your communication card, in just a couple of moments, you're going to turn that communication card in. Write down where you want to get involved. If you want to get involved in choir, write down, I want to get involved in choir. I want to get involved in parent project. I want to get involved in fellowship time. We've got a lot of hardworking people in the fellowship time. I want to get involved in ushering and greeting. I want to lead a new small group. Or I want to be a, a small group host in my home. 
fill that out how you want to get involved by faith step out in faith today amen thank you